Hey humans, how's it going? Susan Ruth here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hey Human Podcast. This is episode 161, and I recorded it last year in Nashville, Tennessee. I sat down with Mary Martin, who is a legend in the music industry. She managed huge uh, singer-songwriters, just absolutely epic human beings. In the 60s, with 60 bucks in her pocket, she left for New York from Toronto and began working for legendary manager Albert Grossman. And uh, under his tutelage, she took her golden ears and went on to discover the likes of Emmylou Harris, Vince Gill, Leonard Cohen, Rodney Crowell. I mean, it's crazy. This woman's life is extraordinary, and we would not have the American songbook, perhaps, that we have if it were not for Mary Martin. I uh, sat in her living room, and she chain-smoked and told me great stories, and I'm very excited to share them with you. And a shout-out to Dub Cornette, who introduced us. Thank you, Dub. All right, the usual stuff that I say every episode, heyhumanpodcast.com. Don't forget there's a links page where I curate a lot of what I talk about with my guests. goes on that links page. I uh, try and put the books and the movies and the music and the articles and whatever we chatter on about. That goes onto that links page for you. There's an Amazon portal on the heyhumanpodcast.com website. If you shop Amazon, please do so through that Amazon portal. It helps support Hey Human, helps keep it ad-free. So thank you for that. Email me, susan at heyhumanpodcast.com. You can check out my music and stuff at susanruth.com. Social media, Susan Ruthism for my personal stuff. Hey Human Podcast for the podcast stuff. Uh, And... If you can, please take a moment and rate and review Hey Human on your podcast app on iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. It's hugely important. It helps push the podcast up through the algorithms, and I appreciate it greatly. All right. Without further ado, let's get to this. Thank you for listening, and here we go. Hi, Mary Martin. Hello, Susan Ruth. <laughs> Thanks for being on Hey Human Podcast. What is it? Hey Human Podcast. Oh, fine. And what does that mean for, for an ignorant uh, well, senior? Uh, hey Human, I came up with that because I was starting to give up hope on humanity and the fact that we all try so hard to find what's different about ourselves that from someone else that I wanted to find the sameness. So I started talking to people and... The more people I talk to and the more people that listen, I think no matter whom I'm talking to, even if, if I agree with them, don't agree with them, wherever they come from in their life, whatever they've seen or done, fundamentally, there's always something that connects us. So that's why. That's why Hey Human. That's a very nice response. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> very, very feathery. Yeah, well... I'm nothing you're not feathery. You're blushing. <laughs> Am I? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that makes sense. It's the, I'll blame the coffee. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fine. You know, you, you, when you turned the question on me, I'm like, wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> Tricky. <laughs> I really love the uh, fish you have hanging from your window. That's fantastic. An ex gave me that. Oh. It's Hopefully good. you didn't wake up to it in your bed or anything. That wasn't like <laughs> Italian symbol of distaste. Oh, right. <laughs> But I never... I guess that would be a horse. That Yeah. It's I beautiful. Never, I never hung it outside. I hung it outside maybe once, uh-huh. one year. And yeah. then I thought, it's just too glorious. It's beautiful. To leave Is it a outside. trout? 
What? I think it's a catfish. It's a ca- look at, oh, yeah, he's got this. whiskers. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. You would think it would be something exotic with the, the, the patches of red. And yeah. It, well, you might have been. Cor- Your house is so cool. There's so much to look at. I love it. That is my pride and joy. That's, That's a mooka. A mooka. From New York. It's beautiful. And I had I have a friend in Dallas who was very much into Art Deco and Art Nouveau. Mm-hmm. And she had a lot of Steinland. And Steinland did Pussycats. I'll show you some if you'd like to see. Is that the Pussycats always has the curly tail around? It's like Le Chat and all that? Yeah. That, yeah, okay. Yeah. And... So she she and I, I guess one time she was in New York and, and we went to a sale at Madison Square Garden and I thought, fuck my old boots, oh dear. <laughs> that is glorious, you know. It is beautiful. And and that's, yeah, I saw that's that a too. mocha too. That's and, gorgeous. And he, he just did he pimped. Yeah. He did paintings of, you know, their lithographs. Yeah. And, and it's kind of rare to see, you know, silver still being silver on a painting, I it's guess. It's really beautiful. It is, isn't it? Well, he did beautiful women, I think. Just, I mean, look at how and they're very, um, yes, they're very um, Guinevere-esque. Yeah. That's sort of a purity yeah. thing going on. Lovely. She has a bit of apprehension in her in her face I think yeah know, for her job yeah <laughs> and contents therein yeah yeah they're really quite lovely they are aren't they so you hail from Ontario Toronto Toronto yeah yeah you well, did your research I did I know what I'm doing mm. I don't know what I'm doing <laughs> I just fake it really well <laughs> life began in Toronto yes I went to a uh, uh, a public school mm-hmm. and then my mo- my dad died when I was 10 so that was really sad so yeah. my mother sent me off to a private school hoping that I would become eligible to be a debut tramp oh right? yes sure so I was never capable of doing that and um I can't imagine you fitting into the mold of the debutante. I've only known you five minutes. <laughs> Your energy is much bigger than that. <laughs> well, I had some. I had some interesting pals who were kind of like I am. But I think what I've learned. First of all, I've lived here longer than I've lived in Canada, and so that was a big shock when I I realized that here you know, in Nashville. Yeah, well, not here in Nashville so much, but yeah, here in the states. Here in the states, yeah. Did you go to New York from Toronto? Yes, I did. Is it true that I've never been to Toronto? I've been in New York lots. Is it true they're very similar? New York and Toronto. They're expensive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. artsy and. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they in my day. Um, you could go and listen to Ian and Sylvia and or Judy Collins Mm -hmm. at folk clubs and I have some good pals still there and uh, my friend Tro and she she and I we would go to 
the matinees of Levon and the Hawks. Yeah. Yeah. Who I adored. Yeah. I want to give you a little story on Levon. Please. In, in, in the early 90s, some fuckhead broke into my house and raped me. And so Levon got word of that. And he called one of my good pals here and said, do you think Mary would like him offed? And Bonnie, being well brought up from Illinois, said, oh, no, 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 Levon. But maybe she was thinking... Bonnie, Bonnie? Bonnie Garner. Okay. She, she is one of my good pals from the music business. I thought maybe Bonnie Raitt or something, because I know that you managed her, too. Well, no, I, I worked with you her. worked with her. Okay. In New York, Okay. Bonnie Raitt came and stayed with me while she was making her album that was produced by Jerry Ragavoy. And I think she really learned a lot from Ragavoy, who was a, a wonderful record producer. Mm-hmm. And Bonnie, I had this fabulous apartment in New York, finally. It was two floors, five apartments, and it faced south. And it came with all manner of fabulous art that I didn't understand. It was far too modern, and I told the guy who had it before, take it away, I don't like it. But it was a lovely, lovely, lovely place. Where, am I talking about Bonnie Wright? Yeah. And so she came for the duration of making the record. Yeah. And we've got to be good pals. Yeah. So Levon did not off. No, Levon. Levon um, didn't. But I can understand the sentiment of wanting to. Yeah, because I mean, in in uh, Toronto days for the Hawks, they knew a varied circle of pals, mm. from assassins mm. to gamblers to who knows what. But each and every single one of them had their own special thing. But Levon, to me, was as good as it got, you know. And we were friends till they died. I imagine, especially, there seems to they seem to be leaving the planet rapidly over the past couple years. But when you're in the music industry and you've been around genius for lack of a better word and creative souls that have a depth to them that goes far beyond the average bear and then they leave before you it's it's a lot to handle yeah that is unkind it is unkind it's unkind that there's such a gap left after they're gone too i don't i don't know that a lot gets filled in when some of these luminaries leave us i don't think so well, I mean, in, in, in my particular world, the death of Levon was devastating. And, um, and he, he had principles, you know, and he never went to the um, induction ceremony for the band mm. because he felt that Robbie Robertson had stolen a lot of the copyrights and I mean they were a band that united in soul and spirit and music and so I have a good friend who told me and I knew this anyway 
that they gathered in Albert Grossman's office. And he, Robbie, announced to them that they would not participate in the publishing, the songwriting of a lot of the songs. And Levon just, I, I think it hurt him to the core. And he had a fist of emotional skill that he could never forgive yeah. him for that, you know? And, and Robbie carries on to be the pretentious creature that he is. And, and, and today I sit with you and I know that Garth Hudson lives on food stamps and Robbie Robertson lives in Mala fucking boo, you know? Yeah. And it just, it just is so unkind, you know? And Robbie writes a book that says, I, just like a lot of songwriters say, I, (laughs) too often. I agree. Yeah. That is always something that mystifies me, that people who are bestowed such gifts act as if they were holier than thou, for lack of a better word. It, It's... It seems like such an affront to the magic. To, to the magic of, of the essence of what they did. Yeah. You know, I mean... It, it's on. serving two masters, really. You know, it's like out this side, you're, you're, you're singing this thing that goes to this depth. You're, so you're writing this thing that goes to this depth that touches the universe. And then from this side, your ego is so fully entrenched in the bullshit. Yeah, if you did, you read uh, Robbie Robertson's book. I didn't. I couldn't get through it. I, I I skimmed it. How old were you when you went to to go to Albert Gross? When you started work, you probably you, in was my twenties. Was that your yeah. first real music job? Was, yeah, yeah. Explain who Albert Grossman is. So okay. Who don't know? Albert Albert Grossman was one of. Uh, he came from Chicago, and um, he became the manager of Peter, Paul, and Mary, Bob Dylan, Odetta, Paul Butterfield, Ian and Sylvia, Gordon Lightfoot, the Queskin Jug Band, and there were probably others. I don't know. I love Gordon Lightfoot so much. Yeah, he's good. But but I don't think he's quite singing like he used to. (laughs) And that's sad, you know, because he had yeah fabulous voice. voice. Yeah. yeah, and I mean his his songs just will always live yeah. in my heart. Yeah, and I mean there are some songs too from Ian and Sylvia. Do you know? Do you remember well, that? Name? Well, my my parents. Uh, I was the oopsie baby, so my parents uh, they are a lot older than I, as are my brothers, and so I grew up in a house full of music that was generational it's all the way back so i mean my parents love peter paul and mary and so i listened to peter paul and mary all the time growing up and yeah they, my dad was madly in love with joan baez of course so that was, no, i never was yeah well there's a story about didn't she interpret a song oh you want to hear that that's a good story mm. <laughs> Um, We're gonna jump around, and that's okay. I mean, your your life is is fascinating. It's jumping, and it's you know, 
that's okay. Yeah, when we get to now, it doesn't. It's kind of sedentary. <laughs> but she... Um, I've forgotten how this worked, but... but um, ah, I went to see her in New York at Carnegie Hall because I'd heard that she butchered Leonard Cohen's song, Suzanne. <clears throat> so <coughs> I went, and she gave this long preamble. I remember that, and, and it was kind of disparaging of uh, Leonard Cohen's construction of, of Suzanne and the images therein. And, and I, I, can't, I think she changed them to whatever she thought was best. She changed the lyric of yeah. a Leonard Cohen song. Yeah, Boy, well, so I decided, fuck that. I'm going to write her a letter. And I did. And, and the only thing that I really remember of it, I said, I, I don't think that you would actually take a paintbrush and alter the works of Wyeth or whoever else was really pertinent, like whatever his name was, the Campbell Soup guy. Uh, Warhol. Warhol, you know. And um, and I at least I got that off my chest. Yeah. And I, I so I just, because I was managing Leonard Cohen at the time, so I felt I had a right to criticize her. Yeah. And I, you know, I liked her sister, Mimi. She was terrific. Albert managed her. And she was a nice person. I liked her. But Joan Baez, I could do without. Yeah. So when you, in your early 20s, you, you've left Toronto. You've come to New York. You meet, how did you meet Albert? I, the people I lived with were ex-Toronto people. Uh-huh. And she, Joan Wilson, worked for Albert. She was Albert Grossman's secretary. So um, I got a job at that office answering the phone, Plaza 28715. And I did that for a while, you know. And uh, then Kennedy was assassinated, and that was a horrible thing. And what Albert's partner um, told me, Miss Martin, you'll never get anywhere. And um, I thought, well, well, okay, fine. You know, I'm happy. So therefore, you better learn some some skills and go to secretarial school. So I thought, well, okay, I'll go back to Toronto and learn how to type and take shorthand, but I couldn't learn shorthand. That was way off my... Radar. Yeah. Yeah. So I took short um, speed writing, mm. and there still are some things that instead of writing whatever, the whole thing out, I know that it's over. It's just a big V, you mm. know? Or ing, like writing is a G. Oh, wow. You know, That's it cool. helps. Yeah. And so with my newfound skills, right, I came back to New, to New York and found myself an apartment on Bleecker Street. Mm. 
and I imagine back then Bleecker Street wasn't the best neighborhood in the world. Well, I don't know. I mean, Joan, I bet it was fun. Joan, Joan Wilson and I both worked at the Bitter End. Oh, you know? I played there. Did you? Yeah. Good I for played you. There a few times. Oh, yeah. Well, congratulations. Thanks. I mean, that that was a like the foundation because because yeah. I got to see so many people as the hostess and Joan Wilson made a lot of money as the coat check chick nice. you know and, and she moved away and I think she moved to someplace like Phoenix or, or Los Angeles because she discovered what's his name what's his name wonderful poet singer singer poet well, we'll think about Singer that. Singer poet? Yeah. California. Buckley? Or? No, no, before. Uh, oh, um, well, what year would it have been? Oh, years. I don't know. Singer poet. I mean, gosh, back then. Well, singer songwriter, let's say I that. Mean, Jackson Brown? Yes. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> right. You absolutely did. And she got him signed. Wow. God, I can't even imagine. I mean, I can imagine, I guess. Cause I guess it was easier those days, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, yeah, but was... what it, I mean, that's an undeniable talent, Jackson Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Not that there's not undeniable talent now, I suppose, but I don't know, that era, whew, boy. Yeah. Yeah, we were, we were making things that last. Yeah. You know? And I, I think I'm proud of that. Yeah. You know? I, yeah, I, I am proud of that because they're still standing. Well, yeah, I mean, your name, if you Google your name, of course, names come up like, you know, Vince Gill, Emmy Lou Harris, Bob mm. Dylan, as you mentioned, Levon Helm, uh, 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 Leonard Cohen. Uh, just Van Morrison. Van, Van Morrison. Yeah. I mean, all these names that will live forever it's true there's talent and then there's all those people and they're way up there <laughs> i know and 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 so i am going to glow for a moment yes, okay please glow glow away is that and i we can jump around on this but the formation of the americana music awards mm was always important to me to go to that as that little thing is but the she's, she's pointing at an award on the wall that she was that she was given yeah for executive of the year and as you can tell i'm not really executive material oh well <laughs> yeah um let's see so where was i americana awards. americana yeah. so the americana awards were put put together by this wonderful, passionate guy, Jed Hilly. I know Jed. He's, you do? He's lovely. <sighs> lovely man. Just perfect. And so passionate about the music. Yeah. Yeah. He thinks that I am important because of signing Emmy Lou Harris, because to him, that is the root of one of the genres yeah. that 
Americana embraces. Yeah. And so I get to go. Yeah. To the Americana award shows, you yeah. know, and I get to take somebody if I want. So so we had lunch not too long ago. Yeah. And I said, now I, I would like to go. And he said, do you know who's coming to get an award? I know. I have no idea. Van Morrison. And I'm struggling with how to tell him he only can do two songs. And, and I'm, I'm struggling with how I want to tell him that I'd like to hear Caravan. This is Jed or you talking? This is Jed. Jed talking. This okay. is Jed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So he, he thinks, and, and he spouted out something, don't say that. Don't say that. Try this or whatever. But it doesn't matter what he will say to whomever it is, if it's Van, who, when he heard he had been asked to the Americana, he, he knew what it was, you know, and he, Jed Hilly, was just overwhelmed with joy. And he said, yes, I'll be happy to go and do that. And the next night, he goes and plays Ascend. Yeah. The amphitheater. Yeah. I said, well, I'd like to go and see the award show, but I don't want to go see him because that'll take too long. At the and, Ascend? Yeah. yeah. And it's too late. Yeah. It's dark. Yeah. So Van Morrison is coming, and I, I, I also told Jed, I do not want to sit in the first row where all the camera boys are wandering, and I can't see the finger-picking, <laughs> etc." He said, okay, 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 okay. Well, we'll see. Keep in touch because if September 8th or 9th comes, if you will, and I'm seated in the first row, I think I'll probably wait till Van Morrison comes on and then say to my, my date, we're going home now. <laughs> but I, I love Jed Hilly because yeah. he's made valuable, valuable contributions to teaching us yeah. all what is a root. I have a funny Jed story. Do I, I went with Al Moss to uh, one of the award shows and Jed was at the table next to us and uh, it was for CSAC and CSAC um, awards Americana. They're the only PRO that does in our country. And uh, so you know, they did the Americana Awards first, and it was wonderful. And then they started with the regular country music awards. And I think Jed maybe made it through a couple songs, and he stood up, and he sort of sheepishly started going past us, and he saw us, and he stopped, and he leaned over, and he said, I'm going to go home and kill myself now. <laughs> Poor Jed. <laughs> I think for him, it's... It's just he it's tried. Brutal. I know he tried so righteously hard to compliment the CMA, you know. But you know what? There's a radio station now, WMOT. Do you know that? Yeah, yeah. They just they and just started that one. Right? Yeah. yeah, and that's Roots yeah. music. Yeah, and I mean, I turned it on. One of my my old friends told me about this. And there was Steve Earle singing Guitar Town, and I thought, oh, my my dial will never change, yeah. you know. And I thought, that is magnificent, yeah. you know. So now the the drill is, I'm 
he was he was thinking that you know they're being successful which is wonderful you know more people are going more people are buying tickets blah 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 going sh to see shows etc and that um, it's making the difference in how he has to beg for you know Money's, money yeah and so I went as I say I was at lunch with him and, and I started to think he's he lost a major sponsor but he didn't really weep over that because they were doing so well and good for him you know and then I thought to myself ah here is a suggestion I haven't told him yet so you're the first to know Volkswagen oh that's a great idea you know needs to participate because I think haven't they been through some sort of uh, bad Stuff. I don't know, but they, they, when you think of a Volkswagen, you think of the back in the 60s, the 70s, that, that iconic music. Yeah. That, so yeah. it's a good idea, don't you think? To yeah, tell it's them, a great idea. Go pimp Volkswagen. <laughs> yeah, it's a great idea. And then Embrace then, the flower children. Yeah, in all those vans. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So how did you come up upon Emmylou Harris? Well, first of all, when I was doing my secretarial skills, I uh, met Brian Ahern and Anne Murray and all of that. And, and I think that at one point I had, while I was working at, well, whoever, I, th I think that I just sort of filed that. And we became friends, Brian and I, a little bit. And I really liked the lady that he lived with, and um, I, they had one child, and I can't, I can't, well, I guess I was working at Warner's, yeah, in, in New York at that time, and this fellow, Ed Tickner, was a manager. You should look him up, because he's, he's an important person from those times, and he was elevated in his ability to manipulate people mm. in the record business, you know, to <laughs> it's do... a good skill. Yeah. Important skill. Yeah. And, and But he was delightful. He was one of the best. He, he's not with us anymore, but... So I think I, I may well have got a call from Tickner, or maybe I got a call from one of the boys at Burbank, say, Mary, get your bones down to Washington, D.C., and go see Emmy Lou Harris. So I did. And I saw her at whatever the name of that, that uh, no, I saw her in a cafeteria. She was playing at a cafeteria. And and that was pretty good. She 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 had some really good musicians with her, and and then I saw her again because Tickner was perse gently persevering, and I think I took Brian to see her because I thought to myself, be orderly in this presentation, insofar as have many ducks in a row. So there was a manager, there was a producer, 
and there probably was an agent. Yeah, there probably was. And so, were those things you facilitated for her, or that she had already? She, she came with. Okay, got it. With um, a tribe. Okay. A professional tribe. So Warner signed her, and that was the beginning, you know. And she and Brian fell in love. And she called me one day from the road, and she said, "Are you sitting down?" And I said. No, I'm on the bed. She said, well, Brian and I are going to get married. That caused me to rise up. <laughs> and I thought, well, fine, whatever works, you know. So she and Brian got married. When you first heard Emmy Lou Harris, what, what was it that struck you? Like, what, I mean, it's, to me, it would seem like it was probably obvious, but in your words... Well, she had an absolute divine voice for openers, and she sort of danced, you know, little cowgirl dances, whatever that means. But she also told the audience to hush, mm -hmm. and that probably was at a club date, and I thought, that's for me. Yeah. And, I mean, she did it in a very graceful way because that is yeah. her way, is grace, yeah. you know. And um, so the hounds out there in Burbank, because Tickner, the manager, uh -huh. had laid a good base. And with my A&R stuff, there was no interference from the A&R department. Yeah. And what was interesting from a record company's point of view, there was a guy who was head of country music. Mm-hmm. And he was a Brit. He was a good friend of mine, but so it goes, right? And when Emmy started to do, when she finished her record, and she started to <clears throat> do dates. The only thing that I really remember in those, from those early days was that she got a series of dates with Merle Haggard. Well, that was as good as it got, you know, because there was a Merle Haggard song that she sang in her set. And of course, all Merle Haggard's people just thought, oh, Fine, we like Amy Lou Harris. Now, Burbank didn't know what to do. And the more that she went along making records, like bluegrass records, they thought, we don't know anything about bluegrass. But that record sold probably more than most of her records, you know? And, and that was very gratifying. To Emmy, yeah, and um, so what about Emmy? She she carried on. She passionately cares about her her Hannibal's. Um, what was his name? What was his name? Her puppy dog that used to go she's, on. The, she's a big dog person. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah. Dog rescuer and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we have to remember his name. I don't. We have to remember his name. Um, 
Well, so it's gone through the sieve. <laughs> ah. Anyway, she has balance. Yes. You know, and she came to visit me this past weekend. Mm. She and my friend Bonnie Garner, and Bonnie brings me horseshit for my garden. And, and she also brought me Emmy. Yeah. And that was great. And quite it, a pair. <laughs> so we sat and gabbled, and Emmy, Emmy just was beautiful, Emmy. And we had seeds and weeds tea, and she brought that. See that kettle over there? Yeah, the purpley one. Yeah. Yeah. That you put the tea leaves into the little basket, yes. yeah. right? And we sat and drank tea and ate Emmy Lou Harris's mummy's recipe of gingerbread Ooh, for a couple of hours, you know, and Lovely. that was pretty good. And so she's writing a book, oh. and that's good. And but sometimes she gets derailed, you know, things happen, and she's sure. got to go and perform and do and whatnot. And she mm -hmm. likes still to perform because it's it's sort of uh, the other side of her balanced life yeah. you know and there has to be a space and time to do that and i gotta say i took my nieces to see her when she and rodney performed here rodney crawl who you also you managed right yeah, here. for a brief little bit of yeah. time yeah. yeah i fought for him yeah i did i did and um lost my tail. Uh, Rodney and Emmy performed Oh yeah, here. so they performed at the, the city winery. Oh yeah, sure. And Emmy was just magnificent. I took my nieces. Mm. That was wonderful. And when Rodney sang The Houston Kid, I mean it was a perfect evening. Mm. It, just, it just was swell. It just reaffirmed in me the love that I have for some of those people yeah. who were really important to me and I will always be grateful to them, you know? Yeah. It's it's stunning to think the the level of talent that you that you fought for, that you won, that you got to, to get out into the public and, and to be heard by the masses. But there were a couple that to talk about the the Bruce Springsteen situation, oh. the Jimmy Buffett situation. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh okay. All right. Because I think for a lot of people, many of my friends included, they struggle and they work so hard and they don't understand why it doesn't happen. And and people say no, 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 no. And I say, you know what? Half the time, it has nothing to do with you. Many great people heard no. Yeah. And kept going. Yeah. Now, Springsteen was one of those in my books because his manager, John Landau, was a, was a good pal of mine, and he was just sort of in the midst of a divorce. So I got to hang with Landau, and um, he, Landau, was thinking that he would move Springsteen to another label. So I was very excited because all things go to Burbank. And they said... The head of the record label said, he's too East Coast. <laughs> and I thought, okay, fine. And then Springsteen <coughs> re-signed to... Um, Columbia, right? Yeah. yeah. 
But <clears throat> I bet whoever the head of that AR art to this day kicks himself. Well, he probably doesn't fucking remember. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Because boys will be boys. Turning down Springsteen. I mean, what? <laughs> and and so it, there was one thing that just endeared my my heart to him. I used to cook. And Monday nights were always flesh nights because Monday nights were f- Monday night football. Mm. And I had a friend who played football for the Cowboys. So anyway, I made I I was planning to make flesh for dinner. And I said, Bruce, would you like to stay for dinner? What are you having? Flesh, steak. He said, Oh, I don't know how to eat that. Hamburgers are about as good as I can get. And I said, well, you're more than welcome to stay. We'll be good. And he, he gracefully declined. I will tell you about, and that's the end of that, you know, but. I'm sure he's eating steak now. <laughs> probably needs that, don't you think? Yeah, he's got some stamina, that kid. He's going places. He, yeah, he will go for on, on, and yeah, on. He's a three and a half hour show. <laughs> there are very few people so it's Steve Earle by the way yeah. I've been to a few Steve Earle shows that recently? no this is a couple of years back but he plays forever it's great yeah he's a guy who says I perhaps a little bit well, too much sure. but, yeah, he's got but a he's, healthy ego on him for sure but he's a good one I do love and adore him you want to hear the Jimmy Buffett? I do yeah So, Buffett was a friend of my friend Liz Ashley, who is an actress, and she used to do a lot of stuff on Broadway. And um, so every so often, Liz would come and spend time at my house in in New York on 48th Street, and um, Buffett would, would be along. And he, he, as we talked about, he was, he understood what position I had, right? Sure. And so he said, well, I, I would like to change labels. And I thought, oh, fabulous, fabulous. So I went with enthusiasm to the boys at Burbank. And here's what they said. Oh, I don't know. What do you think? Oh, I don't know. What do you think? Well, fuck you all. The next record was... Margaritaville. Margaritaville. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I will tell you two other tales of that I blew. I really blew. I blew Alan Jackson... I didn't. I didn't think he. He. I just didn't. didn't he did. I didn't get it. Yeah. And I didn't get it about Trisha Yearwood. So those. Wow. Those were two. Interesting. That I feel. I. I just missed. You know. Does that? How does? Do you still think about that kind of well, stuff? Well, obviously, if it's yeah, still in my brain. Yeah, you're bringing it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't get all of them, I suppose. No, and I guess I guess there are other things too. I mean, I worked at RCA for about 
I don't know, seven years seemed to be my thing. And, and in retrospect, Joe Galante was a really good teacher. Mm. And I think one of the things that uh, he adhered to was you sign an act for the future because 20% are successful and they support the 80% that we're developing and we hope will get to be the 20%, you know. So I thought, well, that was really wise, you know. So you were mindful of the Country Music Association's award shows. Now, sometimes I didn't pay very good attention to that, you know, but I tried and, and um, I think at, that, at RCA we had Keith Whitley who mm -hmm. was... Oh, he meant a lot to me. He really did. I liked him. And then there was Laurie Morgan, you know? And, and um, maybe that influenced my thing, thinking categories, if you will. Right. A Laurie Morgan and a Keith Whitley are very different than an Alan Jackson. Yes. So it would be understandable to me that a person who, you know, discovered the likes of an Emmylou or a, or a Vince Gill or, you know, that, that you would turn more in the direction of a Keith Whitley than you would an Alan Jackson. Not that Alan isn't talented. It's right. just, it's a different kind of music. Well, you see also, too, um, Keith Whitley would always present himself purely, you know, no demons, but he had demons, you know. But I used to go and see him when, at, at sort of rodeos, mm. you know, where he would be on a truck bed. And I just thought, fuck me, this is great. You know? I adored him. He left too soon. Yeah, he died young. Yeah. Yeah. And that was bad. I, I write with uh, his daughter-in-law. They His son and she have, have since divorced, but, um, but Ashley... Ashley uh, Hewitt Aww. Whitley is Aww. yeah lovely beautiful singer beautiful writer oh good yeah well golden voice then that's good see yeah that's okay life is funny <laughs> well sometimes the DNA is strong don't yeah, you think? yeah. Um, so Keith's son, who married Ashley, the two Jesse and Ashley have a son. Yeah, yeah. So it, tough. It, it's, it's his nickname, tough. Tough. Yeah. T u f f or T o u g h. I believe it's T u f f. Really? Yeah. How? Uh, Good. So who knows? You know where the music may go. Yeah. I think that there'll always be, at least hopefully. There'll always be some kind of truth that that most people can relate to that doesn't have too many eyes in it because it'll tell a really poignant story. Yeah, you know that folks can. Hmm. Well, and luckily there's people like Jed that help keep that kind of music alive and well. Um, you know, pop music, pop country, all those all those genres have their place and they're fun and they are what they are. But for the soul depth, the, the stirring, 
you know, the folk country Americana rootsy stuff is certainly the everlasting. Uh, yeah. Well, do you know who will also be getting awards at the Americana Awards this year? No. Neither do I. <laughs> I don't really keep up on award shows. I don't, I rarely watch award shows. Um, my, I get invited to things here and there and I'll go. Um, but I, I sort of made up my own mind a long time ago that a lot of times the awards aren't really... They don't change how I feel about a particular artist or a certain song. Right. That is what it is. And just because something is in the zeitgeist or the flavor of the day or that, it doesn't, that stuff doesn't mean a whole lot. That isn't to say that, you know, having a Grammy on my wall wouldn't, you know, be the bee's knees, but, but I also, at this, there's that, that's the eye, that's the ego probably more than. I know I've created some really beautiful things and and I'm happy about that and I feel very honored that those things have come out of me and there's a point I think you get maybe not everybody gets to but there's a point that I got to where I stopped worrying whether or not anyone ever hears it because that part because it's it's like a it would be great for people to hear the songs to, to get them out there but not for the purpose of being famous or rich or anything like that, but more like the moment of connection. Yeah. That's the thing yeah. to me. Yeah. When I'm up on a stage and I'm performing, that feeling doesn't have anything to do with notoriety. It has everything to do with being open. It's communion, you know? That's, to me, that's the thing. Yeah, I think, I think that well, I don't know this, but my response would be, from a cynical point of view, you understand, is that people don't listen. They're listening to whatever is in their other ear that serves them. And so I just don't have a great deal of faith yeah. today because it's immediate. Yeah. And if I, if, if I have to think hard about it, I'd rather be on my cell phone. Yeah. I mean, I've been in rounds where people, other people in the round, other performers pull out their phones and and I always think, like, I get, ah. I get that, but get somebody in the audience to do that. It just seems grotesque. It would become a circus act at that point or like people, I don't know. It's just, it weirds me out, that whole thing. There's a, a reverence to performance. Well, it's, there's a reverence to communication yeah, as well. Yeah, and the communion back and forth between the audience. And so that, when even the performers are disrespectful of that communion, it, it chaps my hide. I try and let things go so I don't get to a point where I never leave my house. <laughs> Oh, I should be learning a lesson, I guess. <laughs> but I, you know what? I'm I'm over it. But I I do empathize yeah. enormously with what with what you're saying, and I think as as my life evolved, I really did start to burn out. Yeah. You know, you can you can listen to one too many tapes. Yeah. And and miss it all because it all just sounds the same and the, the longer that, that I that I did it, the less it was musical 
it was linear, mm. you know, it mm. went on a straight line. That didn't seem to me to be a song. Mm. Didn't seem to have a chorus, much less a bridge. Mm. And that's how, and now I find that maybe there's a line. That's the whole song. And that is repeated mm. time and time again. That, that is a result of me watching Saturday Night Live, possibly. You know, and I just think the only reason I watch Saturday Night Live is to see Alec Baldwin and or what's her name? Melissa McCarthy. Yeah, you know? she does a great spice. Oh, and now there's going to be no more spicy. Yeah, that's right. You know, he's gone. This, yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> and we took a big leap, didn't we? Yeah. Just then. Yeah, we did. I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I am curious. You know, we talked about the music of the past and the music of the now. Do you do you think that it's going to come around again? I mean, music is cyclical, but I don't know that people... I think there will be some gems. Yeah. And and I, I love the idea of uh, Maren Morris. Mm. I think she's good, mm -hmm. you know, and I love the idea of Tracy Musgraves. Kay Casey. Casey yeah. Musgraves, mm -hmm. I think she's terrific mm -hmm. as well. And and so that's like two little bright stars, mm -hmm. you know? And I have not heard any guy mm -hmm. sing anything that, but then I don't listen to the radio very often. Yeah, I and bet you enjoy Jason Isbell. No, I don't like him. Oh, you don't? Well, he doesn't float your boat. What no. about the Chris Stapleton is, you know? Yeah, be I, I've well. always liked him, although I, 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 I think he's not delivering from his heart mm -hmm. is, is how I sort of feel about him. I think he's being manipulated by record mm -hmm. label or something. And, and uh, that, because I used to go to the station in to, to see him and I always, my heart. Well, it's it. an interesting thing to bring up because that, that is something that I look for when I go to see shows. Wait, yeah. I find that a lot of performers are singing as if they're reading the menu at a restaurant. Whereas, you know, to me, I want to go see an artist and I want to believe what they're saying, no matter what story they're telling. Yeah. And I want to believe that they're telling the story of this and then they move on, they tell a story of this and that they believe it. I think you're out of date. I know. <laughs> I know. Sad. That's a horrible thing to say because those are values of, of invaluable soul, you know? Yeah. For all the good it does. Well, just keep persevering yeah. is really the truth, you know, because you will. You, It isn't a matter of being successful, but you will be gratified that you stuck to your guns. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. And but, I really love quesadillas, and I eat them every day, and I'm perfectly fine with that. <laughs> I'll be my creative little self, <laughs> do my thing, and, you know, I... That's invaluable. Yeah. You know, because because in the final analysis, like we're talking here, is that's the most important thing. Yeah. To be to thy own self true, right? Mm-hmm. Whoever said that was good. Some Latin dude. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, he's still still at it, right? <laughs> he's also speaking truth while being drunk on wine. I love that guy, whoever he is. <laughs> yeah, whoever he is. May he carry on. And may some people younger than you, and surely younger than me, be able to bark that out every yeah. so often. Yeah, you know, I, I love it when somebody comes up and, and is... Feeling. I think we're so afraid to feel stuff anymore. Well, but that's what all the machines, the, the phones and the computers yeah. have absolutely caused us to be unsocial. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't have a cell phone. I know. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> I keep thinking about it now that, that I've uh, had one incident with my car. And oh, that... that that is handy for yeah. sure. You could just get that necklace that calls for help too. <laughs> oh, but the you have star to. or something, <laughs> whatever. But um, there was something I was going to say to what you just said about the cell phones and the ah rats. See, gone. See, I'm a bad influence gone, on you. Gone. Oh, it was. Just, I was going to tell a story about when. So my parents had a pretty decent record collection when I was growing up, and. I remember I came upon a record. I wasn't really supposed to dig into the records, and I had a Fisher-Price record player in my room. Oh, good. I remember finding um, a record, a Billie Holiday record, and it was, it, I still have it. It's the essential Billie Holiday, and it's um, a guy narrating her autobiography. So he's reading her autobiography, and then they incorporated the songs with it. And I remember being in my room, you know, lying on the floor, the first time I heard that record, weeping, weeping, you know, as a little girl. Yeah. You can't ever go back from that, ever. Right. That imprints you, that, that voice, that style, that belief, that truth. It, it actually makes me teary when to think about it. You can't ever unhear something like that, and it marks you for the rest of your days Right. when it comes to music or reading or anything. Nina Simone used to do that for me. Oh, yeah. Because she sang yeah. a Leonard Cohen song. And that was pretty amazing in those days. You know? Yeah. Wow. Leonard Cohen, man. Whew. Yeah. Bless that was a heart. loss. Bless his heart. And now... <sighs> ble- and now that that he's passed, there is hallelujah being recorded and recorded and recorded and recorded and good, you know, and that that'll help his family. Yeah, you know that that's that's the only thing that I can find that is good because, yeah. ugh, it's mean that he did that he died. I'm sad about that. Yeah. It's been a tough couple of years. Yeah, it has. It has. A lot of great... But here's the, 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 the upswing. A friend of mine sends me newspaper clippings from L.A. Times, and every so often there's one of Van Morrison, you know, and the, the, the last one, I thought, am I reading about Van Morrison? And he was... He was, um, in quotes, saying, 
the, it, well, in essence, the interpretation was he'd mellowed, he'd matured, he wasn't he was a hot angry. Head, right? Hot head, yeah. <laughs> I've heard stories. I mean, he used to walk off the stage if he felt the band was not playing what he what he was playing. He, I saw him do that for the the thing at the Troubadour when it was all Warner Brothers people there, you know. And he announced that he was leaving. Wow. And I thought, oh dear. <laughs> and he did leave. Wow, he did. Yeah. Oh my he didn't come back. I don't. This. As far as I remember, but he persevered. You know, he didn't like doing live gigs, and he he drank a little bit. And so when I was managing him, and I had my friend Tro from Toronto, and she was a good drinker, I would send her to the date with him, so that she would drink half of the bottle <laughs> of Johnny Walker. That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 she would enjoy it. Yeah. You know, because she loved and adored Van Morrison. And why wouldn't she? Yeah. You know? She, 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 she works for IMAX. Oh, wow. Still. Mm-hmm. But she's retired now. But she could play anything on the piano. She had perfect pitch. And she would play Van Morrison or whatever it was, because she could. Yeah. You know, I like that. Did you see that Vince Gill is going to be touring with the Eagles? No. As a proxy for Glenn. Really? Mm-hmm. They just announced it. That's great. Yeah. Good for him. I love Vince Gill. Oh, That's a... He's, he's the... He is the other half. Of Emmy and the Grace Department, you know, he's oh, so I generous. Agree. I agree. That, I mean, when I think of the word light, and you know, I think people like Vince Gill, Emmy Lou Harris. There's just a, there's an effervescence to them. Yeah, that is not really of this earth, and yet they manage to. I don't know how they survive. This planet is hot. I say it all the time. It's a tough, tough planet, and we've made it tougher. Yeah. And at 3 o'clock, this fool <laughs> is going to announce that he probably... The man of the hour. ...will withdraw from the climate change. Yeah. I just... And it doesn't matter to him Well, who he's got financial uh, burdens to repay. I think it comes down to money. I think the people who gave him a lot of money, people who he likely owed a lot of money to they're calling in all their favors that's really very mature of you to say that a what it's very mature of you to say that oh well <laughs> i don't want it's... to believe that that's what, how naive i am yeah i think historically no you're right you know historically he was on the other side of the fence with all of all of his politic mail but a lot of very wealthy people who stand to make a lot more money if certain things are, the EPA, you know, gets torn <sighs> apart, if climate stuff gets torn apart, you know, oil people, all these, follow the money, always follow the money. Yeah, except some of the people that have opposed him um, pulling out of the uh, climate change are oil companies. 
you know, and you think, really? Yeah. Do, do we want to believe that? I do. Uh, it's, it's so convoluted at this point. It's, it's getting... I, <laughs> I'm a white woman in America. I have privilege beyond privilege. And so every time I say things like, oh, I can't, I can't even stand to look at it or I can't stand to think about it, I have to check myself because if I don't, how is anyone who is a minority or impoverished or um, immigrant or, you know, who's going to be their voice? If I'm not willing to go, this is bullshit. Yeah. And I'm, and I come from a place of, of great power and com- comparison. I mean, I'm poor in real life. Right. But uh, I mean, yeah. Come on. Your roots, your mental, so emotional roots. There's, there's something to be said about, I'm, I don't get to say, oh, I can't stand talking about it, or oh, I can't, I just don't pay attention, because then I feel like, what the, what? Of course I need to, I have to, if I don't, what's going to happen to, you know, my neighbors who moved here 10 years ago from, you know, Afghanistan or whatever, you know what I mean? I don't get the luxury of ignoring it. It's not right. Right. I'm, I'm, you are a better person than I, sitting here as a Canadian. Well, I'd love to be a Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, your prime minister is hot as balls. <laughs> his, his daddy was pretty good, too. Yeah. Good stock. Yeah, good. <laughs> That's right, boy, oh boy. Good, good stock. stock, indeed. It's all that maple syrup. Yeah, it's much better than your <laughs> Vermont shit. <laughs> Mary, this has been delightful. I, I so appreciate you, t- you know, first of all, you'd never met me. And by virtue of, of a kind word from our mutual friend, Dub, yes. you, you brought me into your home to talk. And I really appreciate it. I am grateful to you. You have brightened my day. Thank you. And maybe... A lot of what you've you've said will resonate with me, and I'll find it easier to be of better spirits. Oh, well, look, it's not twenty four seven on my watch either. It's it's <laughs> to really come to the table with an appetite. You know what I mean? <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Bye, everybody. Peace. Definitely peace. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please take a moment, rate and review Hey Human on iTunes. It helps support the podcast, helps get the word out, just helps, period. So thank you for that. And take care, everybody. Be good to yourselves. Bye.